Welcome back to the Seen and Not Heard podcast. I'm Melrose, your host, and this is season one, episode six. Because we're halfway through the first season, I want to provide a little context for anyone who is just listening in for the first time. If you're just tuning in, this is what you need to know about the podcast. I am a normal 28-year-old woman living a very average life in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. In fact, the only notable thing about me as it relates to this podcast, is that I happen to be a webcam model. That means I chat online in lingerie for a living. I've accepted everything about my career at this point, including the stigma that comes with it. This podcast has just been a way that I've found I'm able to tell my story, relate to others in the mainstream, and have guests on occasionally to discuss topics and tangents that we sometimes venture off into. For those who are following the show more closely, I really need to thank you guys. My iPhone photo app is quickly filling up with screenshots from you guys telling me how great you found the podcast to be, what it's done for you or inspired you to do. Knowing my voice means anything. To all of you listening, that's that's the biggest gift anyone could give me. And the people that are listening week after week, you guys are giving me that. It's a satisfaction and a fulfillment that I haven't had in a really long time. And it is beyond appreciated. Everyone likes to make the assumption that attractive people lack intelligence for some reason. As if somehow the two of those are mutually exclusive. It's almost like if you have a beautiful smile or really uniquely colored eyes that it must have cost you brain cells to have them. And I hate to break up all the stereotypes that we enjoy so much, but I just haven't found that to be the case. A lot of people within the adult industry and in my own circle have degrees. Many of them have more than one or they specialize in something. A lot of them are only in this industry while they pursue higher education. And if we really want to evaluate porn or webcamming from an intelligence aspect, then we really start standing out among the rest. Think about it. You're born with an asset that can make you tons of money with little or no overhead. You can almost relate it to like a singer or an artist. You have an inherited trait or talent and you found a way to legitimately monetize it. It's kind of capitalism at its finest. I had someone on my premium Snapchat recently ask me, you're so smart and so pretty, why do you even do stuff like this? And I replied, because I'm smart and pretty, I do this. That's really what it comes down to. If you can run a six-figure business without having to leave your house, why wouldn't you? There's no operating cost for what we do. Yes, I mean, I need a laptop and an internet connection and a webcam, but I would have all of those things and their associated costs whether I was a webcam model or not. I mean, don't all of you? They're kind of necessities in this day and age. So the overhead is minimal, but the upside is just huge. I've also diversified my businesses a lot. I have webcam, which it can be time heavy if you dedicate yourself to it, but the money is there 
and it's a lot higher there than other places, but it's also a lot less stable and a lot less predictable. Then I have my premium Snapchat, which is maybe two to three hours of work a day, but my subscribers pay for it via a monthly subscription, so it doesn't have a lot of time cost, but the money I make doing it is much more stable. It doesn't fluctuate as much as webcam. Aside from those two, there's Patreon and YouTube content and Instagram and whatever brand sponsorships they bring, and now the podcast. These things aren't highly monetized now, but as they grow, at least they have the opportunity to be. And those things will be my exit strategy when I retire from the adult industry. I'm working at them hard now, so that, in a perfect world, they can replace my income from the things I'm currently doing. And who knows if any of that will pan out. All I know is that doing this paired with investments that I'm making and will continue to make, that's the plan I have for my future in the next five years. I didn't spend seven years building a fan base, getting to know people, and making friends online just to abandon them once I decide to start the next chapter of my life. I have more respect for them than that. These people aren't just usernames on a screen to me. They matter. Their lives, their thoughts, their feelings matter. Even the ones that say or do things I don't agree with. In fact, I recently lost a pretty large contributor from webcam because he didn't like a quote that I posted to Twitter. He deleted his Patreon and his Snapchat subscriptions from me because I offended him. This quote, for clarity, was this. It occurred to me that many people are actually afraid to heal because their entire identity is centered around a trauma that they've experienced. They have no idea who they are outside that trauma and that unknown can be terrifying. It was kind of one of those Pinterest quote picture things. And if that quote offends you, I'm sorry, I apologize. To me, it resonated with my experience dating O. You heard a lot about him in episode three. He was my first major heartbreak, and not only did our breakup cost me our relationship, but he happened to hook up with five of my closest friends, so I also lost them in that process. It sent me into a spiral of depression and led me into making some really unhealthy decisions. He was all I would talk about for at least a year after our breakup, what he did to me, what my friends did to me, and how could none of these people that I trusted or loved have any regard for my heart or my feelings? I was devastated. And I thought that talking about it constantly would help me heal. And in the beginning, I think it did. But around the four or five month mark, it became detrimental. I probably lost other friends because they were tired of me repeating myself at every opportunity or because I was constantly in this sad, negative state. I realized that at that time, constantly talking about what happened and it made me relive it every time I spoke. And it was robbing me of happiness long after the fact that it was over. So I needed to stop. I needed to figure out who I was now because I had overstayed my time as O's ex-girlfriend. And I needed to remember who Melrose was. I lost my identity so badly in that relationship that I couldn't remember what my favorite color was. So when I saw this quote, I instantly took it as, we are not the sum of our experiences. And I tweeted it out, thinking that maybe other girls have been there and it would resonate. 
It's unfortunate that it cost me one of my regulars. But we are all entitled to our own opinions and thoughts, the ones we agree with each other on and the ones we do not. The point is that if these people that support me online or you listening to the podcast, you guys matter. You always have and that's why it does hurt when I lose some of you. But I'm also a really independent, strong and opinionated young lady and I don't have any intention of apologizing for that. This was a sad loss for me, not because of the disagreement, but because he'd been in and out of my webcam room for years leading up to this. And somehow, with one quote that I tweeted, that I didn't write, that did resonate with me and my own life experiences, it was received by him as a direct attack. And that's okay. How he receives a string of words and how it makes him feel is valid just as valid as the way it made me feel in a positive way when I tweeted it. It's okay to disagree on things. The only disappointment was that in all the years he'd known me, I felt he should have known better than to think I would intentionally hurt someone I care about. But that went out the window for some reason, despite the years of rapport that we had previously shared. If I didn't care about the people that came to hang out with me online or on my Snapchat, then I wouldn't be planning to take all of you with me into this next chapter. I wouldn't have built my business and my exit strategy around the same people who built me anything to begin with. I'm aware that all I have, I owe to you. I know where I came from, and I know where I was when I started webcam. I would say that 60% of people in the adult industry realize their career will be a relatively short one. We can't do this forever. We age, priorities change, and you can get burnt out pretty quickly. This job is both mentally and physically demanding. And a lot of us, because of this, are heavy investors with our money, because we know we have the potential to earn a lot, but for a very, very little amount of time. One cam girl I used to know would save up her money from webcam and flip houses. There are very bright minds making adult, intelligent, well thought out decisions operating at a high frequency that also happen to be in the adult industry or sex work. And nearly all of us have the potential to create exit strategies for those careers or build something alongside them that will grow with them like I'm trying to do. Here's some examples of webcam girls I've watched on Twitter or on cam who've built businesses on their own to sustain them long after they exit the adult industry. Sabrina Nelly. She was a prominent Tumblr girl and was always big on social media and had a really successful webcam career. She ultimately ended up starting her own webcam site and it's got a lot of well-known names and faces streaming on it weekly. Bella French, that's another one. She was a webcam girl and now she is the CEO and founder of ManyVids, a website that allows girls to sell videos or clips and make money online. She revolutionized a lot for webcam girls because selling videos on cam at that time, it wasn't an easy task. Most websites, they don't allow hosting of adult content and the ones that did, they didn't have a lot of functionality that we were so desperately searching for. She also noticed a gap in the market and built one of the most competitive websites that we sell clips on to this day. 
Olivia Wilden. That's another one. She's a cam girl who ventured into cinematography. She now films for herself and other girls in the industry, and she produces really high-quality content for her company, Castle Productions. Another really notable industry girl that I admire is Lena the Plug. She was one of the first girls to dominate the premium Snapchat scene, and she's now diversified into a million-plus YouTube channel and released a line of merchandise. There's, there's so many more I could mention, but my mom says my podcasts are getting a little too long, so I'm going to leave it at that for the moment. I just really want everyone who has any doubt in their mind, whether there's life or not after porn, to realize that there absolutely is. Hell, some of our own American royalty, Kim Kardashian, ultimately built her and her family's million-dollar career on one sex tape. We're living in an amazing time where this industry is starting to gray the lines of mainstream versus everything else, where you can choose not to define yourself by one chapter of your life and instead treat it for what it is. And honestly, that's usually just a stepping stone for bigger and better things. There's a lot of things I would like to branch out into in the future. I've always wanted to design clothes and design lingerie. I've also always wanted to write and publish a book. I have so many plans and I don't see any reason why I should limit myself because other people out there in the world choose not to understand me. The best thing I could think of to combat this was to create the podcast. To create a place where people could get to know me before they judged me. And I would like to think that that's working. I would like to think that I've carved out a safe place in the world to, to sort through my thoughts aloud and to create a sounding board for myself. But only time will tell. Only time will give people the ability to listen or watch or tune into the things I'm doing in my day to day. And if they deem that to be a worthy way to spend their time and attention, then I know I'm on the right path. It is not an easy thing to build a fan base. Another quote that that comment reminds me of is that, I may not be everyone's cup of tea, but I'm someone's shot of whiskey. It's true, not everyone's gonna like you, or like the things that you represent to them, or the things you're doing or promoting. That comes with the territory, though. I recently read a really great article on likability. It was from the TinHouse.com website and written by Lacey M. Johnson. It goes into how it's really fundamentally a part of our humanity to want to be liked and to fit in. It's actually kind of instinctual to gravitate towards tribes because it increases your odds of survival. The article talks about how people in society and influential people in our lives, like parents or teachers, they further indoctrinate us on the importance of being well-liked. Listen to how we teach girls at a really young age to be pretty and polite and quiet and non-confrontational because people like us better that way. It really resonated with me because I don't find myself as an often well-liked person. My husband, on the other hand, he is extremely likable. People tend to find him really disarming and relatable and genuine. 
but only after getting to know me on a first name basis will anyone usually credit me with those same compliments. And as a woman, it's even more complicated than that, especially women in the business world. Not only am I supposed to be likable, but I'm still supposed to get things accomplished, achieve greatly, not intimidate others, be kind, be pretty, etc. A lot of those things disallow success. People gravitate to me because they've deemed me attractive, but a lot of those people also perceive me as unapproachable for the same reason. I think I've been asked probably like a hundred different times in my chat room on webcam, how do you even go outside without being hit on all the time? The answer is I'm almost never approached by men. It very rarely happens. And when women speak with me for the first time, it's always followed up by this tagline, wow, you're so pretty, I didn't think you'd be so nice. Business can be even harder for women like me. Here's, here's what I mean. Being kind in a business discussion doesn't always get you the most beneficial outcome. Being pretty at a board meeting can often be distracting and stop people from hearing what you're really there to say or taking you seriously. In fact, Although I'm not a big Kim Kardashian fan, I do think that the reason young girls gravitate and look up to her is because she's okay with being sexy, but she's also been intelligent enough to control the narrative, whether it's been with the TV show, her makeup lines, brands, etc. She's attractive, but she's running an empire. I think that's what's appealing to young girls. She did something deemed bad once, but that's almost never talked about anymore. She created multiple revenue streams, invested in tech, and right now, I just read that she's even pursuing a career in law. But the point is, she stayed relevant and dominant in our pop culture since the day she arrived on the scene. And that, my friends, that's no accident. That is what girls see when they look at her, and they hope that maybe one day they can achieve something like that. Because few other women in the world have been able to do it. Aside from that, there's such a double standard. Men can be the boss. Women are bossy. Men can be tough or have a stern conversation, but women are bitchy. It's such a cop-out because the same exact attitude brings the same benefits to the table. But when referring to me or women like me, it's derogatory. Imagine how much harder this all becomes when your business is centered around your looks sex work or the adult industry. It becomes that much harder to be taken seriously. One really good example that comes to mind is how many porn stars, porn producers, and even webcam models have had their bank accounts closed without notice as soon as the bank realized that it was linked to the adult industry. This happens all the time and it's still happening. Why would another business be taken seriously at a banking establishment while my money, just as green, just as legal, not be acceptable? It's a really hard space to navigate and at that point it won't matter how many people like you, your work or your personal one-on-one -on -one interaction with them when they've already decided that they should write you off for what you do. Being likable doesn't always pay off. If you're always scared to upset people, then you live your life walking around on eggshells. What kind of life is that really? What notable thing could you ever accomplish if you're afraid to offend someone every time you open your mouth? You just can't. 
That's not an environment where creativity can blossom or thrive. And it's not a space where I can live. So maybe, maybe I need to be okay with being less likable. I need to be okay with gaining and losing friends or fans. Some people have a place and a purpose and a reason to involve me at some intimate level. And some people are likely just meant to be there for a season to teach us a lesson, whether that be on love or trust or betrayal. Maybe the way people perceive me or think about me or react to my tweets, my content, my decisions, maybe it shouldn't impact me whatsoever. Because how they think and feel, that's their business. How I think and feel, that's mine. I know you're all thinking that, well, you have to be liked to some extent, you have to build a fan base. And I agree. You have to have a fan base or an audience to build your business. Someone, somewhere, has to want to consume whatever product or service you're creating. Then you have to be clever enough to figure out how to monetize that gift of attention in a positive way. And if you build out a structure that allows it to grow and flourish long after you've retired, then you've made something for yourself. And you also have to have that core understanding that a lot of people you thought were important to you will come and go along the way. I think that's partially just the price of being an entrepreneur. It's long hours, little social life, and small circles of friends. But if you do it right, then you get to have a legacy. My future plans, my exit strategy, it's all part of the legacy I hope to leave on this planet. In the end, me being naked on the internet is going to equate to a grain of sand compared to all the other things I hope are on my horizon. I mean, <laughs> if Kim K can release a sex tape and then build an empire, what's stopping the rest of us? Anyone can have a reality show today. All they have to do is start a YouTube account. Anyone can grow their social media and get brand deals. I mean, if fame and fortune are what you're after, please know that you are no longer limited to the people with agents and a PR staff. In the decade of the internet, the rules have somewhat gone out the window. So don't let anyone tell you what you can or cannot do. They just haven't seen anyone do it yet. So you're gonna have to show them. I'm Melrose, and this has been episode six of the Seen and Not Heard podcast. Huge thank you this week to Tom Newell. Tom, you have been one of my longest premium Snapchat subscribers, and as of recently, he's also been a really active friend on Twitter and in my webcam chat room. He just started listening to the podcast, and I just want him to know how much I appreciate the time that he's sharing with me. There's literally a million other things you could be doing on a daily basis, yet you always make time for me. I really appreciate that about you. Thank you so much. Next week on the Seen and Not Heard podcast, I left Illinois behind nine months ago. And it's not because of what I was running from, but because of what I was searching for. 
I had never even heard of the town that I was packing to move to 30 days ago. But I've also never been the type to play it safe. So, at my wedding, I told all of my friends and family that I would be leaving and moving out of state over the next three weeks. And let's just say not all of them rejoiced with happiness. <laughs>